Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole podcast. I'm Dan Crawford, the editor of Hamiend, and continuing our international flavour as we build up to the start of a new season, I'm delighted to be joined by Jack Berenzi from the wonderfully named That's So Craven podcast. Um, Jack is joining us from Perth in Western Australia. Um, so we're in the middle of the night almost um, with him. So first of all, Jack, thanks for staying up uh, and good day to you. Um, what can you tell us a little bit first of all about how you became a Fulham fan and and what why on earth you decided to do a do a Fulham podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me so much, Dan. It's uh, it's great to be on the podcast. Listened for a long time and followed the Hammy End for a long time as well. So great to finally connect and get this this done. Um, yeah, look, I I grew up in the UK. Um, my my family moved around a little bit when when we were young. I was born on the continent um, and we lived around sort of Windsor area. So just outside of London. Um, when I started getting into football, uh, I was still pretty young and uh, it's an interesting story. It's a family friend of ours actually was looking at um, purchasing a club at the time. Who's quite a wealthy family friend. Um, and he wanted to purchase Carlisle United Um so he said, come along, we're going to go and watch a game. It's going to be uh, a game against Fulham. So we'll go and watch Carlisle play. Um, Fulham battered Carlisle 5-0. Pesca Salido scored a hat-trick and was love at first sight from that moment onwards. Uh, so I've been a Fulham fan ever since. And then, um, you know, we moved back to Australia. Families originally from Perth moved back here in 2005 Um found it really hard to continue following Fulham during that time. The coverage back then wasn't wonderful. Uh, you'd see highlights. You'd have to stay up for the occasional game that was um, live streamed back then. But it's it's obviously completely different now where we actually are fortunate enough to get every single Premier League game and then really great highlights packages for all of those games as well. But still never really felt as connected as we did when we were living in the UK. So... Um, that's so Craven was formed by me, my dad Elton, and my brother Sam, who lives over in Melbourne. Uh, and it was just a chance for us to actually become a bit more, a bigger part of the community. And actually, you know, we, we've spent all our time listening to Fulhamish and um, Russ at, um, and his podcast, Cottage Talk. And we just wanted to be part of it as well and maybe offer a slightly different view of, of the guys down under because we know there are a lot of Fulham fans down in Australia. So we thought maybe we can relate to those guys who stay up till 2am for those midweek kickoffs and, you know, st have kickoffs at 11pm at night and really put in the hard yards following Fulham and hopefully we can sort of grow the community a little bit more for the overseas fans as well. I mean, it's first of all, that's the first thing to, to mention. I mean, as, as I mentioned to you coming on, um, my family are Antipodean. My father is from was born in Taranaki and, and went to medical school in Auckland before getting the boat over um, to become a to become a doctor in the UK and worked at Charing Cross Hospital for 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 many many years. He, his family have gradually migrated across the Tasman into most of Australia's uh, populous centres. Um, and the thing that strikes me about anyone following anybody. Uh, in the Premier League in Australia is you have to be really devoted because you've got to get up in the middle oh, of the yeah. night and a defeat will really wreck your weekend and given that we support Fulham that's a regular occurrence could you tell us just a little bit about how that Australian community because it's growing obviously boosted perhaps not by 
Ahmed Elrich, but mainly by Mark Schwartz, I would imagine. Um, and yeah. the experience of watching the games and and that devotion to Fulham really it, it, it tests your uh, sanity at times, I guess. Yeah, it, it is a growing community down here and we're, we're finding people come out of the woodwork, you know, week by week almost. We, in WA, obviously Perth is a, a lot smaller than some of the other cities in Australia. We've got a, a small group of us. There's maybe about 50 of us now. Um, we have a, a couple of chat groups that we keep up to date on and uh, we try and get together for games a couple of times a year. It's it's pretty tough sometimes because, you know, like we say, the, the games kick off usually at about 11 p.m. our time. Uh, you're definitely not catching those midweek games. And it, it is, it's all about dedication to it. You know, I, I think back to the Europa League run and the amount of three three a.m. kickoffs that I had to sit through, and I, I would wake up for every single one of them. Did not miss a game that season, um, and it's it's worth it. The the horrible days at work the next day when you are trying to survive off a couple of hours sleep, and like you said, when there's a loss as well, it it doesn't just ruin your weekend. You've had you've also had no sleep on top of that. Um, it's it's such a different experience to following it. When you're when you're living in London and and you know you get to work the next day and talk with people about it, it's it's tough. You know, I, I sit in an office with a couple of hundred people and there's really no one who follows the Premier League, so there's no one to talk to about it. So when you do find those people and find a little community that talks about football and that actually knows Fulham, it, it really does change the way you you consume football and, and the way you enjoy it as well. Oh yeah, and it seems like it's, it's still still got some way to go. Obviously, in Australia, um, establishing itself as a mainstream sport, you've got the the Women's World Cup is uh, underway down under, um, well underway down under at the moment, and Childers uh, mm. have made it into the into the knockout phase, which is which is great. Um, I just wondered as well then. Uh, the Europa League run would have would have been great. What it sounds like, what we need is another one of those Fulham preseason tours to Australia, isn't it? I would absolutely love that. I, I was saying on our podcast just the other day, I, I cross my fingers come sort of June every year when all the teams in the Premier League are announcing where they're going on tour, and West Ham and Tottenham announced their tour this year down under, and so they're playing at Optus Stadium, which is our sixty thousand seater here, and I, I just I. I wish I could see Fulham play in the flesh again. It's been, uh, I think the last game I've managed to see was see live was in 2010. That was Fulham-Chelsea when Clint Dempsey missed a penalty. Um, and then obviously the, the time before that was actually when Fulham did come out to Perth. Um, we saw them beat Perth Glory, I think it was 6-0, and that was actually the start of our Europa League run that season. Um uh, flew over to Melbourne, watched them play Melbourne Victory as well. And it, it really is such a great way to engage with fans overseas and potentially win some new fans as well because, you know, we, we follow a competition so closely that's on the other side of the world. When those people are actually in front of you and you get a bit of access to them while they're here as well, it really changes the way that you perceive the Premier League and um, I think it, it wins over a lot of fans and I'd love to see Fulham come back out here again. Yeah, well, Alistair McIntosh, Shad Khan, I know they listen, Tony, I know they listen occasionally. Uh, there's your next pre-season tour booked in for you. Jack's done all the hard work, and I'm sure he helped with logistics as well. Um, oh, 100%. In terms of uh, getting everybody around. But I know that, um, I know a few people who, who came on that 
that that preseason tour as fans and and really enjoyed the experience and the, the speaking to some of the players, Danny Murphy, um, Eric Neverland and Co. They really enjoyed coming to Australia because as a professional footballer, it's not something you think you're going to do really. Mm. Um, and they, they they said that you know there are a lot of Fulham fans in the in, in the stadium and uh, and it was great to see them. So so hopefully we can do that and. And grow the international fan base. And if if uh, if you've not been down under, it's a great place to come, even as a pom, as I am, mm-hmm. or fifty percent uh, of me is, uh, and fifty percent of me is a Kiwi as well. I'm, I, I even get a warm welcome from the Australians, so uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's not too bad. Um, let's have a chat then about uh, that. So Craven and the experience that you, you know, family family curated uh, podcast and, and how it's been for you guys um, getting in on that podcasting community. It must be quite cathartic to to talk through the things that don't go so well, but it, it's a really great, it's a great listen to anyone who hasn't um, listened to it before. I, I hesitate to ask this because it sounds so obvious. How long did it take you to come up with the name, the best name in, in Fulham podcasting, undoubtedly? Well, surprisingly, not that long. I think it was one of the very first names we threw out there and we just sort of went, yep, that's the one. It's interesting because the three of us used to play in a band together as well Um, and we we had a similar sort of instance where we named the band. The band ended up being called The Fit Swimmers and it was because we spent ages arguing on the name and we ended up picking a book off a bookshelf that was called The Fit Swimmer because we just couldn't agree. So this time around, we weren't going to make the same mistake arguing for weeks and weeks about what the name should be. We just all went, yep, that's so Craven, that's the one. And it's it's stuck and it's it's resonated really well and I'm glad people find the name fairly entertaining. And how is it for you in the, you're quite prominent on social media. How, how, how have you felt like you've been absorbed into the, the Fulham community? Does it make you feel, you were saying, can be quite a lonely existence following... Um, soccer as uh, as it would be more widely known in in Australia as opposed to AFL or or, or cricket or either code of rugby. Um, how's it been being accepted in the in the Fulham community? You are enjoying that? Yeah, I think we've been accepted really well so far. Um, I mean, it was it was tough at first because you come out of nowhere and you sort of think to yourself, how are we going to grow this and how are we going to get followers? And it took a while to to start growing. Um, and I mean, we never really doubted that we were doing a half decent job and we never really went, oh, this isn't really worth our time anymore. Because we, more than anything, we actually just enjoy chatting about Fulham. And look, if people are listening to us as well, uh, that's that's a bonus. But really, we after a game, we actually do want to just chat to each other and say, how good was that? How good was Mitro that week? How how great was Leno? What about that save? It's those, those kind of things that you, you don't get from from being an international fan when not everyone is following it. I know growing up in England, I, I was at boarding school and everyone the next morning would be sitting downstairs talking about everything to do with football. And you just don't get that here. So it's, it's, a, it's a cathartic experience. I think you, like you said before, where we, we get to just sort of have a vent and, and get it all out of our systems. Um, and it's, it's also quite enjoyable. The fact that because we're family, we, we don't sort of hold back on each other as well. Sometimes if I don't agree with something, uh, we're very happy to just sort of say, no, 
that's bullshit. Don't really agree with that. Sorry. But you don't really, there's, there's not those barriers stopping you from speaking your mind, I think, which actually makes it quite interesting as well, because we, we just say what we think and um, hopefully some of, some of our ideas are agreed with and uh, hopefully everyone gets a decent say on everything as well. Yeah, that might be the, either the Australian in you or the, the cricketer in you, um, having played cricket in Australia, in terms of <laughs> very uh, forthright in, uh, and, and airing everything. But it's very healthy. Uh, we're, we're, the Brits are a bit more reserved at times, and, and Fulham fans in general uh, may be more reserved than, uh, than some of our counterparts elsewhere. Um, moving <laughs> it on then to talk about talk about the team and uh, and our expectations for this season. I don't know how the time zones would have worked out for those games in America. Well, you might even have been even worse, actually. Did you manage to see any of those pre-season friendlies, Jack? Yeah, so watch the Brentford game in full. That was at a really nice time for us. I think it was like an 8pm kickoff. Um, the Chelsea game was a nightmare. That was like a 3 a.m. kickoff. And the Villa game was, I think, maybe a midnight start or something. So I, I watched the Chelsea game the next day, but I watched the Brentford game and the Villa game live. Um, look, I, I thought it's it's always tough to take anything away from pre-season fixtures. Uh, the result doesn't matter as much as getting time into the guy's legs, actually seeing how the structure works, seeing what kind of players we have available to us. Um, I mean, it's obviously great to get one over Brentford and beat them 3-1 again and see a few goals going in. But, you know, we, we're still chasing signings. I think it's pretty obvious. I, I, I think um, there were some really big positives to come out of it, though, as well. Um, Luke de Fugerols, who everyone is talking about at the moment, was outstanding. And I thought a lot of our youth players looked really handy as well. Like um, Dibley Diaz really impressed me. Luke Harris impressed me as well with his couple of little cameos and I think Stansfield looked pretty busy a few times I don't know if they're going to feature a huge amount through the season but I, I thought there were a lot of positives to take out of it and not a huge number of negatives the only thing being that you know the, the trip across to the US well great for the US fans and um, for the commercial side of things as well and trying to boost films presence in the US I feel like we've potentially missed out on one extra friendly that might have been quite helpful going into the start of the season. Yeah, I think they've fitted in a few games they haven't told us about um, behind closed doors to... Possibly. To knit in that... Um, well, I know that to be true. To knit in mm. a bit more um, uh, game time. And one of the sort of paradoxes of the way that Fulham do their transfer business or, or look for bargains late in the window, rather like you're down at the... Uh, the supermarket sniffing out the bargains just as they're reducing the prices on on Christmas Eve or <laughs> or however it goes, you know, you might get you might get lucky, but unfortunately you might end up with a Costas Metroglou. So, you know, it's got both exactly uh, both uh, both ends of that that lollipop really. Mm -hmm. um, you're right though. The one of the great things about being a Fulham fan now is that a lot of these young players that we produce. Um, look like they can play at a higher level um, from relatively young ages. You mentioned both Lukes, who who have very bright futures. I even um, looked to our, our other prominent Australian in, in in recent years, and Tyrese sort of came from mm. from nowhere. Tyrese Francois um, really wasn't. We had some injuries, and he got in the team, and he did really well. Um, yeah. 
And that's sort of the pathway for a lot of these young players. While we haven't got um, experience covering a number of positions, they might force their way their way through. I wanted to touch just on Marco Silva himself because um, he's the key signing in, in my mind. I, I, I wonder if you could speak about how much you've enjoyed or, or, or otherwise, but I think it's enjoyed the way Marco has taken the team on since he's been in charge and, and the refreshing nature of really going for the Premier League and, and letting people know that we're there by attacking them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we're coming off the back of um, the Scott Parker era into the Marco Silva era. It was like chalk and cheese. And I think we really needed that after the Scott Parker era because it was Parker ball, which a few other clubs have now had to endure as well. But um, I think Silva's such an interesting manager. His, his career has been a bit of a roller coaster and I think he, he has something to prove and he's done that at Fulham. I think a couple more years and a couple more successful seasons in the Premier League would really cement his his status as a, a very good Premier League manager and one of the top 10 Premier League managers probably, currently at least. Um, I, I'm so glad that he has, I don't know if he's actually signed a new contract, if that's confirmed or, or not, but at least that he's turned down the Saudi interest because I think he's key to everything that we do. We talk about a lot when we talk about signings and you're never 100% sure if it's the right player to sign for the club. And you look at the the links with Damari Gray at the moment and Hudson Adoy, who, you know, might not be in sparkling form at the moment, even Jimenez as well. He didn't score a goal last season. But in the back of my mind, and I think in the back of most people's minds, they look at it and go, I trust Marco Silva and his decisions here. And it, you can look at it and go, this really feels like a silver signing. And you just feel like he can bring things out of players that they don't even know they have themselves and bring them back to former glories. When you look at someone like what he he's done with Willian, who came out from a terrible time at Arsenal, went to Brazil, had another terrible time, came to Fulham, and he looked like the Willian who was winning trophies at Chelsea. And I think that is, that's the benefit of having someone like Marco Silva at the helm, is he, he just manages to get the best out of people. And that's on the pitch and I think off the pitch as well because I look at, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that we see sometimes and it just looks like the culture in the club in the background is really good at the moment and I, I think money can't buy that kind of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a ringing endorsement of Mark and Silver. Just a couple of uh, follow-ups before we before we let you go, mate, because I know uh, it's getting on um out down under now in terms of time and I certainly don't want you to uh, be uh, be tired all of tomorrow from from sharing your wisdom with us um what are, what are your th- what are your hopes for the season quite difficult to judge at the moment we've got one more game this weekend coming up against Toffenheim and obviously the transfer window being where it is we'll bring in some players and at some point we hope it's going to be difficult to replicate how wonderful last season was though isn't it I mean, last season was just one of the best seasons uh, uh, that I've followed Fulham in um, uh, across the last sort of 25, 30 years or however long it's been. Uh, It's always going to be hard to replicate that. But the other thing is there's there's so many unknowns in the next couple of weeks, realistically. We're looking at people like Mitro and wondering if he's going to be staying with us. We're wondering if there's going to be any other players leaving, you know, the, the little rumours floating around about Willian at the moment and 
Does someone come in with a massive bid for Polina before the window closes? And then who do we bring in as well? There's there's all these rumours floating around of a number of players. So it's really hard to judge how we're actually going to attack the first half of the season up until that first transfer window. Um, if we go in as we currently stand, I think we're actually still going to have a pretty good year. I think there's a lot of clubs who are weaker than us. And therefore, I, I just believe we, we're in a good position. It's probably not going to be as good as last season, but I think we're, we're building a bit of stability now. And I'm very happy with stability. After so many years of yo-yoing, I'd be more than happy to finish 13th and you know win 10 games through the season and, and just be able to build and put, put together a solid platform to build upon in the years to come as well. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for mid-table mediocrity, isn't there? Um, I would take after, it any day of the week. <laughs> especially after what we've been through um, of late. And then I just wanted to touch as well on um, some of the areas where you talked about the, the transfer window. You know, if if Tony Khan phoned you up, Jack, and said, look, I'm going to need some help in pinpointing where we need to strengthen. You know, you watch a lot of football. Where do you see the air? Where, where are you still looking for in those last weeks of the transfer window? If we can add players, where are those positions that you would be prioritising? So, assuming we don't lose the the ones I mentioned before in Polina, Willian, and Mitro, and those guys stay, I think I'd like to see a bit more depth uh, in Pereira's position, sort of sitting behind the striker and, and someone who's got that creativity to actually. Um, dictate the play, the attacking play at least. I think I'd be more than happy going into the season with Willian and Wilson as our wingers. Um, the the rumoured players that we're bringing in on the wings as well, I think, are, are really exciting. Across the defence, I'm pretty happy. Leno's obviously incredible. Um, I, I think that's the main thing. I just want to see a bit more creativity. And we saw that in those last two pre-season games where we struggled to create many chances. And I think adding a really quality player in the middle who can dictate the play and and just push us on a little bit more would be a really valuable signing. Yeah, it'd be great. And uh, look, it's been such a pleasure talking Fulham with you. When I was growing up, we didn't have four or 5,000 fans in the London Borough of Hammersmith and Fulham. So how, how the Fulham community has grown to encompass fanatics all over the world and particularly, you know, a huge shout out to everyone um, in Australia and New Zealand. And I, I do believe the, the the number of Australian fans does include a certain Mike Conroy, who's still um, living out in uh, in, in Sydney somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we might have to loop him into either appearing on your podcast or coming to one of your, your meetups at, uh, at some point. But look, it's been a tremendous pleasure to, to have you on. I really enjoy, enjoy the podcast with, with, with your, with your family. Um, can you just drop the socials and where people can, catch up with you um, so that we yeah. can, uh, can put our listeners in touch with you if they haven't heard it already. Absolutely. So um, if you jump on Twitter, is probably the best place to find us. We're just under at Craven Pod. Um, but we're, we're across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. That We're pretty much everywhere. And if you search any of your podcasting channels, your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, for That's So Craven, we should pop up as well. So um, really appreciate all the support that we've had so far. And, you know, we hope we can continue to grow the podcast as well into the future. Uh, and you're fairly regular with your with your podcasts, aren't you? As you say, you know, look at trying to talk Fulham as much as possible when you can. 
Yeah, we, we usually do at least two a week, um, a, a preview and a, and a post-game as well. So it's two to three a week. So each month we're probably chucking out about 10 podcasts. So we, we try and keep it as regular as possible because, uh, like I said, we just like to talk about it. So um, you have to put up with a, a bit of family banter every now and then. But uh, we, we implore people to get involved in that because we do live stream our podcasts as well. So it's it's completely unedited, which is a bit dangerous sometimes. But um, <laughs> if if you are interested in getting involved, just just jump on. Uh, if you follow us on YouTube or on Twitter, you get a little notification saying that we've gone live, and you can follow along and heckle us from the sidelines, just like the the cricketers would do as well. Well, just like my mate Hen, who's an Australian, and he's the one who leads the old yo. You know, and I won't say the expletive, but uh, you know, barracks <laughs> the opposition goalkeeper. I like yep, to think good. he got it, got it from some form of Australian sport he used to watch, but I don't think Bay 13 is, is as bad as it used to be. Um, no, it's, it's no, nowhere near as bad as it used to be. Well, we'll have to get into the cricket on another podcast, Jack. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, mate. Um, thanks so much for giving up your time, and uh, and uh, I look forward to coming on that So Craven and, and braving the, uh, the family banter uh, when we get the chance. No, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to join in and uh, it's a great podcast and uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great fun. That's Jack Lorenzo from That's So Craven. Still, I laugh every time I, I say it. It's a brilliant podcast. Do check it out, guys. Uh, we'll be back uh, after the Hoffenheim game, hopefully, with some more chat leading into the season. Thanks so much to Jack uh, and his family for, for putting up with him uh, and we'll be back soon. And all that remains for me to say is, come on, you white.